And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophilites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba, Asmaveth, for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Amen. Good job, Shelley. By the way, uh, she pronounced those names and words much better than I'm about to for the rest of this sermon. So great work, and I may have to ask you for help partway through. Good morning, Sound City. How are we doing? All right, that was okay. That was okay. I, I just want you to know the, the sermon will be directly impacted. It will be a better sermon the more feedback I get from you today. So how are we doing, Sound City? We good? All right, there we go. There, much better. All right, you guys are in for a good sermon. Now, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here if we've not yet had a chance to meet. And as Pastor Shane mentioned a minute ago, yeah, it's our second birthday as a church. And I, for one... I'm incredibly thankful for God's goodness and for God's grace in letting us have a church whose birthday is at the beginning of the year, so I will never forget it. That is a huge blessing that for those of you, you know, you got married on New Year's Eve, that is the smartest thing you could have possibly done. That's great. And also, we, I wanted to share something funny with you. We, had, um, we have cupcakes we'll have afterwards. I want you to stick around and celebrate with us. And we had a little bit of a mix-up with the baker. They thought that our church was called Sand City. And so... <clears throat> The phone connection was bad or something. And so I guess this is as good a time as any to announce that we're changing our name as a church. The cupcakes say so. I actually just got a text from somebody five minutes ago who is in California right next to a city called Sand City. So if anybody of you wants a church plant, we've got some cupcakes for you to take with you as you go. We are in Nehemiah chapter 12. We're talking about what it means to be God's people, to celebrate and to party. And uh, Pastor Shane was close with the title. It's not the power of partying, although that would have been a really good Baptist sermon title. I said the Christian virtue of partying. So we're going to do this. I want to pray and I want to dive into this passage and I'm going to invite you all to celebrate the goodness of God with me this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we can gather together like this. And God, even though uh, in many times, in many ways, gathering together like this on Sunday is something we often do, we routinely do. God, I pray that this would be anything but routine. God, the fact that we can even gather together like this to celebrate you, to celebrate your goodness, the fact that we can call on you as father because of what Jesus did on the cross is nothing short of miraculous, is nothing short of amazing. And so God, I pray we would have that sense here today. God, as always, would you help me guard my lips and I would only teach what is in line with the truth of your word. And God, give us all soft hearts, receptive hearts, teachable hearts, and God, partying hearts today as we celebrate you, your goodness, and your grace. And everybody said, amen. You know, when we think about partying, that word can bring up different connotations for different people. You know, partying, that, that word for some of you might mean like you're thinking about the Christmas parties that you just went to or a New Year's Eve party that you just attended or, or um, I was just talking to somebody who went to a wedding on New Year's Eve. Somebody got married and it was a New Year's Eve wedding party. Well, I was thinking about the different words and what, what partying means. And just last night, uh, the Seahawks game was over. I was working on a 
few things kind of for my slides. And uh, one of my kids came running downstairs, runs into the TV room, my, my five-year-old boy, and he goes, Dad, we are having a real party. Oh, first of all, that's news to me. Second of all, I'm sorry that I was so boring previously. What, what do you mean by having a real party? Like, what does that even mean? They've been upstairs playing for a while. I have no idea what's going on. And I said, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know. And I said, well, well, what are you guys doing? Like, what is your party all about? He says, well, we're wearing mismatched pajamas and socks. And then he ran off. <laughs> <laughs> Wild Saturday night at the Gray House. Uh, Five-year-old was partying, right? I would submit to you that the word partying sometimes gets a bad rap in the church. In the Christian church, because of excesses or because of misuses, we can be scared of partying because of some of your backgrounds, maybe how you grew up or how Jesus was presented to you or you saw the certain paintings where Jesus looked like he just swallowed like a whole bunch of lemons and he's miserable and he's, he's, very, he's very thin and he's very hungry. He doesn't look like he ever eats any food, any good food. And, and your, your perception about God, your perception about Jesus, your perception about church is, is askew. And my hope and my prayer today is to set the record straight and to invite you as Christians, for those of you who are believers in Jesus, to party and to celebrate as Jesus would. Amen? And that's really, in fact, the big idea of where we're going today. This is, this is the big idea. The end of the gospel story is a huge party, a wedding feast where people from every nation gather together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and the defeat of death. That's where we're going today. And and to set it up, I want to spend some time in Nehemiah chapter 12. Nehemiah chapter 12 is the Old Testament book of the Bible. And, and, And let's do this. Let's just pick up in verse 27. I'll explain a little bit more as we go. Verse 27, it says, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, pause. All right, that's as far as we've made it. Let me, let me explain to you what's happening here. For those of you who are familiar with the story of the Old Testament, you know that God chose a specific group of people, the, the Jewish people, the, the Israelites. And he said to them, he said, I'm going to use you to be a blessing to all of the other nations of the earth. You're going to be my special chosen people. I will be your God. You will be my people. I'm going to put you into a place, a land where we will be together. And God put them into the land of Israel, even to this day, the land that that we would call the Holy Land or or Israel. And they were there. But the problem is the Israelites, the people of Israel, never lived up to their end of the covenant that they had made with God. They were continually rejecting God, continually worshiping false idols, continuing to do sinful things following after the pattern of their non-Jewish neighbors and God after centuries and centuries and centuries of patience and prophets and pleading, he said enough is enough and he sent them out of the land where they were into exile. And so the people were in a time of exile and they were just longing to be restored and to be returned to their homeland. They were longing to be able to go back to the place that God had promised to give them. And at the end of decades of exile, the good news came. The king of Babylon said, you may now go. The king of Persia, I should say, who took over Babylon, but it's more complicated history than I have time to go into today. Just trust me, it's all in there. He said, you get to go back to your land. You get to restore your city and they got to go back. 
And so there's much rejoicing, there's much joy, but there's a lot of work to do. They had to go back to their city, which had been destroyed. And so not only are they rebuilding their homes, but they're, they're building a wall around the city. Now, I know that that's kind of a loaded thing to say in our political climate these days, but, but you need to understand, building a wall was a really, really good thing. In the ancient Near East, if your city didn't have a wall, you were sitting ducks for invaders. You were, you were basically just toast. It's just a matter of time until someone would come and attack you. So having a wall around your city in the ancient world was absolutely critically important. And so it's at this juncture in the story, before Jesus has come, before he has come in the flesh, and at the end of the Old Testament, the people have returned back home and they have completed this really important wall around their city. And it's an occasion to party. It's a reason to stop and celebrate. Now, Keep going through the passage. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites. That's the the one tribe of Israel that was specially selected to lead the people in worship. They sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Natophathites, also from Beth Gilgal, from the region of Geba and Asmaveth. You say it quick, you say it confident, nobody's going to call you on it. For the singers had built themselves villages around Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites purified themselves and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Friends, I think here is a picture of how God's people are supposed to party. The way in which God's people are called to celebrate him when the occasion calls for it. And the first thing I want you to notice from this passage is that there was no such thing as a divide between the so-called sacred and the so-called secular. What they're partying is a wall, right? They're partying about the construction of a wall. It's not like they're partying about the construction of the temple or the worship house. They they have simply built a wall around the city. This is a practical tool, but they're celebrating and they're worshiping God because they recognize that all of this belongs to God. This would be kind of the equivalent of if you were going to build a new construction home and you got the driveway poured and so you called all the elders of the church to come over and celebrate and pray over your driveway. That's kind of what this is like, right? It's not something overtly spiritual uh, with, with overt spiritual significance, but the people of God here in the book of Nehemiah know that everything belongs to God. Friends, sometimes we can fall into this misunderstanding that some things are over here and they're sacred and they're spiritual and they're holy. And some things are over here and they're just secular or practical or just kind of regular things. But friends, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It is all his. It is all his. Let me ask you a question. We have, we have fun with this sometimes uh, with our church staff particularly for um, guys like myself or, or Travis who really grew up in the church. We've been in church since we were little kids. We talk about, oh, we're gonna gather all the people together in the, what's the room that we meet in here? Okay, I heard like four different ones. I heard sanctuary, auditorium, theater. Now, let me tell you something. This is an auditorium. 
This is a theater. Some of you were raised and the room where you gathered for worship was called the sanctuary. I am here to tell you today, in love, you're wrong. The whole earth is God's sanctuary because he fills all and is in all. Amen? There is nothing particularly holy about this room or any other room that we gather in. This is not the sanctuary where things are now sanctified and holy. Guess what? When you're driving in your car and you're singing or you're praying, that car is a sanctuary. When you're at home, with your wife or your friends or your community group or your kids and the Bible's open and you're talking about Jesus, that's your sanctuary because God is where? Everywhere. So I need you to understand that, friends. The, 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 the people of God here in the Old Testament, they did not only celebrate with God when it came to spiritual things, but when they built the wall, they just had a a God-free party. No, they threw a party because God was the one that gave them the ability to complete the wall. What do you have in your life that you look at as just quote-unquote secular, regular, just some normal thing that God in fact is saying, that's mine and that's sacred unto me because you are sacred unto him, because you are a Christian, because you are a blood-bought saint of God. What is it in your life that you need to adjust your thinking on? I mentioned cars a minute ago. If that doesn't bring conviction to at least somebody in this room, uh, I don't think I'm the only one that ever gets occasionally slightly frustrated with the traffic in Seattle and the surrounding areas. But I need to remember that that car is not some secular thing where God's not present. No, he's with me. He's with me all the time. He's with you all the time. The second thing we can see about the the people of Israel partying, it says they partied with glad and thankful hearts. And I love that the the author of Nehemiah, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, lets us know about their motivations. Uh, Friends, I'll be honest with you. There have been times where I have partied with a selfish and entitled heart. There have been times where I've partied. I mean, think about this. They could have been tempted to say, yeah, it's darn right. We're we're supposed to have this wall. God promised us to have this land. God promised us to have the city of Jerusalem. We deserve it. We We earned this wall. Or they could have been tempted to say, look at this amazing wall that we built by the strength and the power of our own hands. Aren't we amazing? And they could have had a total partying heart, but it was a selfish partying heart. Look what we've accomplished. Look what we deserve. Instead, they said, no, God, this is yours. And we're glad and we're thankful that you've given it to us. How many of you have ever had an entitled heart? How many of you have ever had a heart that said, yeah, I I deserve this. I even, I mean, sometimes people say things like that to me, you know, you know, get a weekend away with your wife. Like, oh, I'm so glad you got a weekend away. You deserve it. And I know what they mean and I'm thankful for it. But at the end of the day, really, you know what I deserve? Death and hell. And a weekend away with my wife is just God's grace. Friends, let us, when we celebrate, when we party, let us do so with glad and thankful hearts. Amen? The third thing in their partying, in their celebration, is with music. It says that they had cymbals, sorry, singing, and cymbals and harps and lyres. So we've got two out of four uh, this morning going. No harps or lyres. We'll work on that for next Sunday. Um, If anybody here plays the harp and would like to lead us, uh, that'd be great. But we got singing and we've got cymbals, and I actually have the joy of playing the drums this morning, so I'm going to be worshiping very biblically back there when we go into our time of singing. Friends, have you ever paused for a moment and considered how odd it is that we gather together every Sunday and we sing like five or six songs together? Like where else in life does that happen? The only two places I can think that it happens are karaoke bars 
And at the end zone where all of the crazies at the, uh, the sounders for the soccer games, where they sit, they are crazy. I have sat there. They have a hymnal. They have flags. It's like a Pentecostal worship service down there. It is, it is nuts. But people don't just get together and sing. When was the last time you invited somebody over to your house for dinner? You're like, hey, after dinner, you guys want to just like sing a few songs? <laughs> Try it. <laughs> people be not coming back for dinner at your place. It's odd that we get together and we sing. It's, it's odd, but it's, it's, let me tell you this. It's not just because of tradition. It's not just because it's something to do to fill the time. It's not just to get everybody's attention to come in so that you know that the church service is starting. It's something we do because it's built into the very nature of who we are as human beings because we are created in the image and likeness of God. And our God, Zephaniah 3 says, is a singing God. Did you know that? Zephaniah 3.17 says that he rejoices over you with gladness and he exults over you with loud singing. Not just any singing, loud singing. Like those times when you were a kid and your dad was just bellering it out and you're like kind of embarrassed. That's our God. It's loud singing, celebration. It's like God is a proud father who looks at his people and says, I am so excited. I'm so glad to have these people be my people that he bursts into song. One of my favorite authors and, and philosophers, C.S. Lewis, he even went so far as to theorize. Now, this is not ex- explicitly biblical, but he, he theorized that God, when he spoke the world into existence, he didn't just speak it, but he actually sang it into existence. If you've ever read um, uh, The Magician's Nephew of the, the Chronicles of Narnia series, he depicts Aslan the lion as singing Narnia into existence. And I happen to think that when scientists tell us that the universe is humming and there are resonant frequencies at which the planets uh, rotate at and the universe actually has some tones and some notes going on to it, I happen to think that their crummy instruments are just picking up the faintest echoes of our singing God who sang the universe into existence. So when we sing, it's not just good for our lungs. It's not just to help wake the sleepies off. It's a supernatural thing that we're doing. And, and, and let me just say this. It's important. It's important that we sing. It's important that we sing to be biblical. And I'll belabor this point for just one minute. And I want you to hear my heart on this. We begin our services with a time of singing on purpose. We do so so that we can actually come in and, and have our hearts tuned to sing God's praises so that when we come to the scriptures, our hearts are in a place of preparedness to hear from God. I understand people, people run late sometimes and you, you sneak into service a few minutes late. There's always, always, always grace. And if you see anybody shooting you judgmental looks, I'll have Steve um, come over and sit, you know, just take him out, right? I'm just kidding. But, but listen, I want to encourage you, be on time, come early, get your check, kids checked in, the volunteers are there early by God's grace, and come and be ready to sing when we start so that we can do what the hymn says, tune our hearts to sing thy grace. So I want you, can you guys hear that with that heart? It's a, it's a loving call to say, hey, come here, be early, come ready to sing so that your heart is ready to receive from God's word. There's a pastor and a, a commentator Warren Wiersbe, he puts it this way. He says, I am convinced that congregations learn more theology, both good and bad, from the songs they sing than from the sermons they hear. Many sermons are doctrinally sound and contain a fair amount of biblical information, but they lack that necessary emotional content that gets a hold of the listener's heart. 
Music, however, reaches the mind and the heart at the same time. It has power to touch and move the emotions and for that reason can become a wonderful tool in the hands of the spirit or a terrible weapon in the hands of the adversary. Do you agree, Sound City? I do. I really agree with this. And just for good measure, because it's always fun to quote Martin Luther, because he was never one to mince words. He said this, I have no use for cranks who despise music (laughs) because it is a gift of God. Music drives away the devil, makes people joyful. They forget thereby all wrath, unchastity, arrogance, and the like. Next, after theology, I give music the highest place and the greatest honor. So friends, I love that we gather together and sing. I love that God has given us many just talented singers and musicians who love to use their gifts to lead us in song. And I'm pleading with you, remember this, remember this. When we gather together, the musicians are not here to perform a concert for you. We are all here to perform a concert for an audience of one, our savior, Jesus Christ. You're part of the band. Whether you can hit, you know, whether you can carry a tune in a bucket or not, you're part of the band. And even those of you who can't clap on time, you are still loved and you're still part of the band. Just keep your hands in your pockets during those songs, okay? Or just stand next to somebody who's got a great rhythm and follow their lead, okay? We're moving on from that. The fourth thing we see that the people of God do is they gather together, verses 28 and 29. Now, this is interesting. It says in in verses 28 and 29 that the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and the villages of the Netophathites, also from Beth Gilgal, from the region of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. There's some, there's a future sermon in here someday, but folks, these are people who moved out of the crowded urban center into the suburbs, isn't that interesting? So they're, they're out living in the little villages around the big urban center, but when it comes time to sing and to celebrate, what do they do? They gather. They gather. Friends, let me say this um, strongly. You can't have real relationship without proximity. And one of the... the, the um, There are many good things about technology. I'm glad we have a website. I'm glad that we post the sermon audio up on a podcast. I'm glad that we've got social media and we can share photos and we can, uh, you know, many of you already knew that the cupcakes were entitled Sand City because you saw it on Facebook yesterday. And, And I'm glad we can have those types of connections, but that is a poor substitute for real life on life, face to face relationship. Amen. And, 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 and there will be times where, um, I've seen various churches, you know, they'll, they'll stream their services online and make it really convenient for people to join. Again, I'm thankful for all those things, but I knew it had gone too far when I saw a church's website that said, click for communion. I know, right? Because just the irony, communion, like, you know what that word means, right? Like union, communing, like together. But here I am by myself, you know, in my pajama pants, Click. <laughs> Friends, there are going to be days where you wake up and you think, you know what? It's just, it's just too much work. It's too costly to warm up the car and get all the kids loaded up. Or there'll be evenings where it's like, oh, community group. It's, it's just such a far drive. And I only really like half the people anyway. And you know, <laughs> Other churches, community groups. Ours are like just all love all the time. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I am a pastor. I'm not supposed to lie in church. We, we have people sometimes that have conflict and, you, and you're, 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 you're just, it's too much work and the cost is too great. It's too much time. It's too much energy. It's too much money. And yes, being in relationship with people is costly, but it's not half as costly as being apart from others. You were not made to be alone. You were not made to celebrate by yourself. You're meant to do so with the people of God. These people, they gathered and partied. And the fifth thing we see is they did so with godliness and with purity. It says that the priests and the Levites purified themselves. They purified the people. They purified the gates and the wall. And in the Old Testament, that, that purification, what they would do is they would, they would offer an animal sacrifice, they would take the blood and they would sprinkle it on themselves, they would sprinkle it on the people. Um, so imagine going to church and having somebody fling blood at you, okay? But it was an important symbol to signify sins are forgiven, this belongs to God. This person belongs to God, this wall belongs to God, this gate belongs to God, it all belongs to him. It was purified with blood. One of the reasons why I think sometimes we as Christians are scared to party is much of what our culture and our world calls partying is not pure and is not godly. All throughout this passage and others we can look at, true celebration, true partying is always God-focused. It's thanking God. It's praising God. It's, it's remembering his goodness. It's remembering his gifts. Many of the people who, who in our culture, you know, oh, I partied last night. Well, they're drinking to forget, They're drinking to forget. Christians, we don't drink to forget. We drink to remember. Hear me on this. When we gather together every single Sunday and we celebrate communion together, we don't have wine. We meet in a public school. They don't allow alcohol on school property. But when you have the grape juice, okay, go with us. We are drinking to remember that Jesus shed his blood that we might have forgiveness of sins. That is how a Christian parties. That is how a Christian celebrates. Don't let the terrible tasting cracker and the weak grape juice fool you. It's a celebration. It's a party. Whereas the world's partying is not focused on godliness and purity, the Christian's partying is focused on giving him worship and thanks and praise. Ephesians 5, the apostle Paul says, don't get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They're singing again, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. There's thanksgiving and and gratefulness again for everything. There's the sacred secular divide being broken down to God, the father in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ, submitting to one another. There's gathering together. There's being together out of reverence for Christ. You guys tracking with me this morning? We are supposed to party. Now, I know some of you here, might be having an objection at this point. And the objection might be something along the lines of, you know, Aaron, I I get it. You're a very energetic guy. You seem like you've had at least several cups of coffee this morning and you want us to celebrate. You're really happy, but you don't know what I'm dealing with in my life. You don't know the problems that are going on. You don't know the sicknesses. You don't know the issues. You don't know the sin that's just been brought to my attention. You don't know the family drama that I'm dealing with. Friends, I love you, and and hear me on this. 
We often talk about really hard and heavy things because we do not believe that church is supposed to be some light, fluffy, happy, clappy thing where we go to escape our problems. We believe that the gospel of Jesus is there to meet and address all of those problems with God's goodness and love. But I would say this to you. I would say this to you. Yes, there may be very difficult and painful and heavy things going on in your life, but I would submit to you that there is no one who has ever lived who is more familiar with difficult, heavy, and painful things than Jesus Christ himself. And do you know what Jesus did? He partied. He celebrated. He rejoiced. It says that Jesus is the man of, what's the word? Sorrows, acquainted with grief, acquainted with suffering. See, it says that Jesus wept, the shortest and perhaps most profound verse in the entire New Testament, that Jesus wept, and yet Jesus partied. And I want to do something. I want to do something that's going to make everybody uncomfortable. Uh, Happy New Year. Welcome to Sound City Bible Church. All right, Steve, you ready for this? Okay, so put this next slide up on there. I've got four verses. I want to prove this to you. Steve has a microphone. I need four volunteers who are willing to, right where you are, pick one of these passages from the Gospels, and Steve is going to bring the microphone to you. Now, I'm not going to force you unless I don't get any volunteers quickly here, So, because we got a lot more to do. So, so who would be willing to, let's do, let's somebody over from this section, who would be willing to read the passage from John. Anybody? All right, Vicky, we got Vicky over there. All right, somebody from this area, who would be willing to read that passage from Luke chapter seven? Anybody here? All right, all the way up there, we got Alexa will be next. Steve, you're going to get your steps and you got your Fitbit on? All right, good. All right, who from this section wants to do the Matthew passage? We got, we got a couple gals. How about a, how about a guy? Reagan, I love you. Well, you can read it at home when we get home. Is there any, is there any men from this section? Okay, Enoch, all the way at the top. You get to stay up top, Steve. That's good, okay? And then this section, somebody take the Mark 10 passage. Who wants to do Mark 10? All right, we got Ashley right here. All right, Steve, you got this? All right, Vicki, let's hear uh, the first one in John chapter two. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine, Dear woman, why do you involve me, Jesus First of all, if I called my mom woman, uh, we'd be having, (laughs) the the story would have gone very differently, but continue on. Dear woman, why do you involve me, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Keep going. One more. One one more. more. The best part. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, thank you. By the way, didn't she do a great job? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Alexa, all the way up there at the top. Okay. While, while Steve's uh, taking the microphone over there, listen, first of all, it says that Jesus got invited to the party. So like he didn't just, he wasn't some wedding crasher. He actually got invited. That means something. Second of all, his first miracle, his first public miracle was at a wedding, was at a celebration, turning water into wine. And if you read ahead, you know that it's the best wine. They saved the best for last, at least they thought, because Jesus did this miracle. My, but my favorite thing about the story is when, when Jesus is like, no, hey, woman, mother, uh, you know, I, I, it's not my time yet. I shouldn't be doing this. She doesn't even answer him. She just turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. He'll take care of this. It's like, like they knew that Jesus was like, all right, I'll do, you know, he was, he was ready to go. I love that about Jesus, that he was celebrating and at a party, at a wedding with friends. All right, Alexa, the passage in Luke chapter seven. And by the way, uh, this is Jesus speaking. He's kind of having a moment of divine exasperation. So listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter seven. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? That's good. You're doing great. (laughs) Just keep going. 
Sorry, the app. You know, my paper Bible never crashes in the middle of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. That's good. So, so here's what's interesting about Jesus. First of all, the religious leaders, he, he's frustrated. He's frustrated with the religious leaders because nobody can win. John the Baptist comes, very ascetic, very, you know, he lives in the wilderness. He doesn't eat bread. He doesn't drink wine. And the people are like, he's weird. He's got a demon. And then Jesus comes, hangs out with sinful people. He does drink wine. He does eat bread. And they're like, he's a glutton and a drunkard. And Jesus is like, you religious people, you, nobody can please you. Nobody can make you happy. You need to understand something. Jesus never sinned. He never did anything to violate God's word. He did not give place to drunkenness. That's a, a very clear picture in the scripture. He also uh, did not condone other people's sin, but what he consistently did was met people right where they are, gave them love, and then called them to follow him and to follow his heavenly father. So much so that people said, he's a glutton, he's a drunkard. That was his reputation. It was for hanging out with people who partied. All right, number three, Enoch, all the way up there in the rafters. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. That's good. So here's, here's what Jesus is saying. All right, Steve, one more down here in the front. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you religious people, like you're fasting and they're mad at him for not fasting. He says, look, you don't fast when it's time to feast. You don't go on a diet when there's a big party. You celebrate. He says, I am here. The bridegroom is here. It's time to celebrate and it's time to party. Jesus came to this earth on a rescue mission to bear the entire weight of human sin to die in our place uh, on a cross for our sins. And yet even Jesus said, they're celebrating to be happening right now in this season. Can you guys hear that about Jesus? The, the, the most serious problems that the world has ever known, he's dealing with them head on. And yet he still says we can party. All right, last one, Ashley, Mark 10. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs to the kingdom of heaven. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now that's awesome, because let me tell you something that I know about children. Uh, I have five or six dozen children. Thank you, Steve. And uh, can we say thank you to Steve for running that? Yeah, good job, buddy. All of our scripture readers. Listen, I have a number of children that I can't think of exactly right now, but here's the thing about children. They can sniff out a grouch from a mile away. Why were the children clamoring for Jesus? Why are the children always trying to come to Jesus? Why did it say that they would climb up on his lap? Because Jesus was such a sourpuss? Because Jesus never had any fun? No, because Jesus was fun to be around. Friends, some of you, again, you have years and years and years of a misperception of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you in love, this is what the Bible says. I want you to have a 
an accurate, a truthful, a biblical picture of, of the Jesus that we worship. The Jesus that we worship partied and celebrated even as he dealt with the full weight of human rebellion and sin. In fact, he even said that his mission, his gospel mission was like an invitation to a party. In Luke chapter 14, he tells this parable where he says the master went out and said, hey, I want to throw a party. I want lots of people to come. And everyone had all these excuses. Oh, I've got to plant some grain. Oh, I've got to throw a wedding. Oh, I've got, you know, soccer practice or whatever. And the people wouldn't come to the wedding. And Jesus said, go out to the highways and the hedges. Go find the cripple, the blind, the lame, the outcast, and compel them to come into my party that my house may be full. Friends, That's the gospel. You and I are the blind, the cripple, the lame. We're the outcast. And from heaven, he came and sought us. Said, come to my house. I'm throwing a big party. I want you there. If you're a Christian, you have an irrevocable ticket to the greatest party that the universe has ever seen. And at the end of the story, there's a banquet. The banquet at the world's end. In Revelation chapter 19, the apostle John is having this vision And the angel tells him, he says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. That the the end of the story, the end of this gospel story is a wedding party. And I don't care, you, you may have been to some good weddings in your day. I've been to a few really good, really fun partying, celebrating weddings. It's not anything the likes of which we're going to see when Jesus returns and we get to sit with him in the eternal marriage feast of the lamb. The prophet Isaiah gives us a little bit more context about this this end party, this this end wedding celebration. It says this in Isaiah 25, it says, on this mountain, in the Bible, mountains are good things. Mountains are where you get to hang out with God. That's where you get to be with God. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples, how many people, Sound City? A feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food. There it is a second time, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. Some of you are on a January diet. God bless you. I'm so sorry for you. Just hang on. It'll be over soon and you'll die and you'll get to be with Jesus in this party. Okay. Now take care of yourselves. I want you to be healthy. But look at what the, look what the party ends up with. It's the best. It's the richest foods. It's the choicest of wines. And it says he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach or the shame of his people. He will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. And if God says it's going to happen, then you can take that to the bank. It's a guaranteed promise. If you're a Christian, that's the end of the story for you. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus purchased with his blood, that we could be with God, that death would be swallowed up forever, and that we would get to party for all of eternity. I hope you needed some good news today. Now, let me just turn the corner here briefly for a few minutes. Um, I want to... I want to push pause on the sermon portion of this. And I just want to offer some reflections for us as a church for the last two years. Um, You know, we we celebrate the gospel. That's what we do every Sunday. There's no greater reason to party, no greater reason to celebrate than the gospel of Jesus Christ. But along the way, 
we see that there's other occasions to party and celebrate and to give thanks to God. We see that the dedication of the wall, that was a moment where they celebrated and gave thanks to God. Friends, we're at a moment in our life as a church where we get to pause and we get to look back and we get to reflect on God's goodness and grace on us as a church for the last two years. I cannot believe it has been two years. It has flown by very fast for me. But when I look back on the last two years, on 2015 when we launched in 2016, let me just say this by way uh, of kind of a reminder. Some of you are newer. You, you, you've, you haven't been around um, maybe for the full two years. Uh, some of you, though, were around before, and you know that Sound City Bible Church was a church that was launched out of tremendous hurt and pain and difficulty. And the fact that we are even here today at all, gathering together, worshiping God as a church family, is nothing short of a miracle of His grace. Amen? And so we get to celebrate, and it's always a, a good thing whenever God gives His people time to gather together to worship, but the fact that we as a church in particular are still gathering together is nothing short of remarkable. Coming out of 2014, I, I've used the analogy before that 2014 was kind of like being in a, in a, in a major trauma, like a, like a car crash or something where, where you need to spend a little bit of time in the hospital bed, and that really was what 2015 was. It was a year of recovery. It was a year of just healing, kind of resetting. Who are we as a, as a people? But 2016 was a year of, of learning to walk again. We started to see uh, more missions starting to happen, started to see community groups investing in their neighborhoods, started to see people um, starting to give above and beyond sacrificially, started to give money to new church plants, started to send some people overseas for mission trips, started to see all sorts of life and things start to happen. It's baby steps, but we're walking again. 2015 was a year of, of building some foundations. We had to set the foundations for the church. You know, when I was a kid, um, I, I always knew I would, would be involved in ministry. I didn't know specifically that I'd be a preacher, but I always knew I, I wanted to be involved in the church and do ministry, but I never dreamed of having to write church bylaws and purchase insurance so that we could meet and gather like this. Like that was never my like eight years old. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a pastor so I can spend all day on the phone with an insurance company. Like that wasn't, that wasn't part of, but, but you have to do those sorts of things in order to gather together as a church. And so we had to really spend some time setting up foundations. We had to, you know, how how do we pay rent? How do we keep the lights on? How do we pay our staff? And how do we, you know, just do some basic things? And then 2016 was a year of kind of building on those foundations. We know a little bit better what we're doing. We're refining those things. We're able to add on some new ministry initiatives. We're able to add on some new different programs or groups or launch out new things. And we get to, to build on those foundations. 2015 was kind of a year of, of holding steady. And 2016, pun intended, was a year of moving. We moved. And, and, and any of you who have ever moved, whether it was one person by yourself, a couple, a family with kids, you know that moving is hard. Try moving a church of almost 500 people. And that really, I, I feel like I had all these great aspirations for 2016. We're going to launch this. We're going to do this. We're going to launch that. And then like five months of our life was just taken up with it. And we're going to pack these boxes and we're going to do this. But let me tell you this. I, I truly believe that God in his sovereignty, he, he does not allow one of those work parties. He did not allow one of those painting parties. He did not allow one of those training sessions here to be wasted because I have seen the people of God in this church family rise up and contribute and be involved in ways that I've never seen before. And I'm so thankful for that opportunity. And I'm particularly thankful to those of you who really said, put me in coach, I can help. Not calling me coach, but just saying like, you know, I want to help. I want to contribute. So God even used that move to shape us as a people. And 2015 was kind of our infancy year. We were, we were drooling on ourselves and all of that. And 
2016, we were toddlers wandering around, maybe putting some you know, forks into electrical outlets, things like that. We're about to enter our terrible threes, so look out. I believe that this next year for us is going to be full of just some amazing things and some amazing uh, uh, new endeavors that God's calling us to. I'm not gonna overwhelm you with all of that right now this morning, but we do have plans over the next few weeks and months to just continue to cast some vision. One thing I'll say is is we're sending our first um, international mission trip team. There's a group of people from Sound City who are leaving in just a couple weeks to go to uh, an orphanage in Mexico to, to help minister and to serve there and to also learn and to be blessed to come back and see how to more effectively do mission here. It's things like that. It's things like that that we're going to be talking about. You know, as we turn the corner into the new year as well, I want to take just a moment uh, to give you just even a little bit of a financial update because we don't, we don't talk a lot about money at Sound City. I know that for a lot of people, money can be a real sensitive subject. It's like, oh, here we go again at the church and the pastor's asking for money. But let me just simply say this with all of the love that I, that I have in my heart for you. Jesus talked about money a lot. He, in fact, said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So we need to be able to talk about money because it has to do with your worship of God. And I also want to talk about money because it has to do with some things that we believe that God's called us to and and where we've been this last year and where we're headed over the course of this next year. And to make this section extra fun, uh, I've invited up someone who actually knows how to talk about these things that will make sense. So Alejandro, would you join me up on stage here? Despite what you may have heard Dale Kimmick say, it's not Alejandro, it's Alejandro. And uh, we're thankful for you, brother. Alejandro, first of all, Good looking dude. Second of all, he's way smarter with the numbers and things. Uh, I, I've said it before, I'm a musician. I can count to eight if I start at five. But I want you to know about Alejandro him, himself and, and a few others. They serve on something called our financial accountability team. where We've invited volunteers from the church, men and women who are, who are wise and who are good stewards of money to come alongside us as the elders and help us think through issues of budget and salaries and all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted to let him just kind of share with you uh, where he's seen good things, where he sees God leading us. And so I'm, the, the floor is yours. I'm going to go sit right there for the next couple of minutes until you're done. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm the fortunate one to get to share the, the encouraging news um, of what's happened over the last year. Um, it's, it's a, there's a lot to be encouraged by. So uh, just looking at the numbers really quickly, um, we had a 4% increase in average weekly attendance 2015 over, or 2016 over 2015. And while that may not seem like a huge increase, it really is something to be encouraged by. Uh, we had the move, as Aaron talked about, and in when churches move, they tend to lose some people that are either unable or unwilling to to make the drive and come to the new location and Despite that, and despite not serving or hosting the the five p m service anymore, our church has grown so that's a that 's a super exciting thing yep. uh, secondly, um, our average uh, giving it has it 's about flat. And it was actually a little less in 16 than 15, um, but we had a really stellar December, and so we had a bit of a catch-up that helped us narrow that gap um, for the end of 16, so um, roughly 95,000 both years, uh, which, is, which is fantastic. Um, all of that culminates to a cash balance uh, right now of just over a million dollars in the bank. Um, and all, a great, great place to be right now. We, we want to have three to six months of, of reserves, you know, that rainy day fund. I think that's really healthy. But in addition to that, 
um, we're saving for a church building. And hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll be able to put a down payment on a, on a building. Um, we've been looking the last couple, two, three years, and you know we haven't yet quite, quite found the, the right permanent home, so to speak. But when we do, we know that we're looking in the six to seven, eight million dollar range. So we want to be able to put down a healthy down payment and not deplete all our resources. So by God's grace, we've been able to add to that balance this year and hopefully even more next year. Uh, fourthly, as we, we look at the how we did this year relative to budget. So one of our budgeting principles is to set aside 10% savings. So when we do our budget, we back into a number that will hopefully get us somewhere around 10% in savings. And we're right now at about 8% through the end of 2016. Our fiscal year actually runs through the end of June. So we have some time to, to gain on that. But the million dollars that we showed you, that takes into account... Um, at this point, putting about another 80000 into the bank this year. So a great year in terms of that. Um, and then lastly, looking here at, at where do we go next year, um, this idea of, of giving sacrificially, I think, is, is, is on many of our hearts. And, and many do, and, and thank you for that. But for others, this is going to be a year where we have the opportunity to push the boundaries of, of comfort giving, and really give in a, in, a, in a way that allows you to, to enjoy joy through, um, partake in joy through giving sacrificially. And there's a lot of great ways that this church is going to be able to serve individuals in need, local communities through community groups, but then even abroad. And we're talking, uh, Aaron mentioned a few things, but there's going to be a lot more coming this next year and in the future years. So get ready, uh, give strong, and we'll keep going for next year. Can we say thanks, Alejandro? Appreciate you, brother. You can, you can tell he's better with math and numbers than me already just by the fact that he carried a yellow pad up here to do the, the update. It's like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be that official. Friends, I am, I am really encouraged. I'm so thankful for your giving. And so many times I've actually had conversations with people sitting right here in this room who have said to me, we love giving. We view it as an act of worship. We don't like even doing the automatic withdrawal thing because I like to be able to enter the information in and do it as, hey, I'm worshiping Jesus through this. And friends, one of the things I believe that God has called us to be, among other things, is a supporting type of church. Um, just, I'm friends with lots of pastors, friends with lots of other groups in the area. And I know that we have been blessed with resources as a church, a two-year-old church that other two-year-old churches don't have. We've been able to help at least three new church plants. There's talks of a couple more coming as well as some international missions and international church plants. Uh, we will be keeping you up to date uh, on the year ahead. That's one of our big goals is to tell those stories and to share with you what God is doing in and through uh, the giving that we do here. It's not just um, so that we can have a big fat and happy savings so we can buy a building. It really is to support the ongoing work of the ministry. And I'll say something controversial. I didn't even say this at the first service. I'll say something controversial. If it comes down to choosing between, well, do we just keep saving for a building versus investing in the work of the kingdom, I'm gonna vote for doing the work of the kingdom every single day of the week. And I think everybody would probably agree with that as well. Let me do this. Let me close our time by just giving you a, a little glimpse at to where we're headed. You know, I confess, I, I struggled a little bit knowing, I mean, I've known that this Sunday was coming for weeks, 
wanted to, you know, I really wanted to inspire you. I really wanted to cast some grand vision and here's all these amazing things we're going to do. And here's our seven step plan to sound, sand city, sound city's success. I get confused. It's, it's been a rough weekend. Sound, sound city, oh, gone it. Sound city success. But at the end of the day, I feel like God just really simply put on my heart to share with you two things as we look to 2017. Two things that at the heart level are really critical and two things that will express themselves in a variety of ways. The first one is this, deeper joy in Christ. I and the other elders of Sound City want you to love Jesus more this year than you did last year. I want there to be more joy and more singing when we come together for our worship services. I want there to be greater discipleship in your life where you you experience the riches of God's grace in the scriptures or in times of prayer than you ever did before. I want you to I want you to just really see the benefit and the spiritual blessings of fasting. Uh, we've talked about fasting the last couple of weeks. We're going to be, instead of doing one big chunk at the beginning of the year, we're going to ask our people to set aside one day at the beginning of each month. So, so Sound City, I'm asking you this week, would you set aside one day to fast and to pray, seek God's will for our church, for uh, this community, for your neighborhoods, for your work, for your family, for your kids? We put up a whole web page about fasting up on our, on our site. And so you could go look at that. I made a little video just explaining some more. But I want you to grow and I want to grow having a closer relationship, a deep abiding joy in Christ. Some of you, many of you may missed last week, New Year's Day, Pastor Travis preached just a terrific sermon on abiding in Christ. I encourage you to go listen to that and let that be formative for you as we head into this year. And the second thing for us is greater love for others, both within the church, as well as particularly those outside of the church. Um, I wanna see us grow deeper relationships in our community groups. I want to see us work through conflict in just healthy and loving ways. And yes, we do have conflict sometimes in our church. And you know what? Jesus is is big enough to handle all of that. Amen? But I really am praying that each of you who are Christians would have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone who's not a Christian and to see them receive Jesus and come to faith. That's my prayer for each and every single one of you This year, evangelism isn't something that I do, the pastors do, a few select super Christians do. No, it's for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, you're called to share the good news of Jesus. And that's my hope and that's my prayer for us as we head into this new year. May we do so full of joy, celebrating, partying. You guys, the tomb is empty. What do we have to fear? Amen? I love you, Sound City, so much. Let's do this. Let's respond to Jesus. We're going to respond as we do in a a few ways. I went way long. Um, In the first service, Travis actually came up and grabbed the mic. It was just pandemonium. I don't have him to blame this time. It was my fault. But we're going to respond to Jesus through the collection of tithes and offerings. So if our volunteers would begin collecting the offering, um, maybe for you, you've never regularly given. That hasn't been something that's been regular or sacrificial for you. I would invite you. Uh, You're under no obligation. This is not something that we can arm twist or guilt you into. So don't hear any of that, particularly for those of you who are guests, you're, you're not obligated. But I do want to call you and invite you. What does sacrificial, generous giving look like so that we can really see what Jesus wants uh, to do in and through our church this year? While they're collecting the offering, we welcome our younger students class in to join us. Let me read a few discussion questions to help us uh, in our community groups and homes this week as we start uh, sharing. Why is it important for God's people to celebrate and party? What are ways that you may need to grow in your ability to party? Some of you aren't good partiers. You need to learn how to party. 
Others of you may turn your partying man-centered instead of God-centered. How, how do you need to grow in that area? Number two, I would just invite you in your community groups, share ways that God has been gracious to you, either as an individual or a family in the past year. And then when you look at this last year for our church, what are you most thankful for? When you look at the next year for our church, what are you most excited for? And where is God calling you to invest? Where is God calling you to get involved and use your gifts? And then a couple things to pray about because we long to be a praying church. Uh, 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 Thank God, just thank him for his goodness to us as a church. Let's remember that none of this is by our own might. We've talked about Sound City for the last five, 10 minutes. Don't make the mistake of thinking it's about Sound City. It's about God and his goodness, amen? And number two, pray that in 2017, we would all use our gifts to glorify God, to serve others, and to share the gospel with people who don't yet know Jesus. And here we go. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table. The volunteer is going to begin passing out the elements for communion. Again, this is a meager meal. It's a very, very thin cracker. Uh, this is not one I would serve at a party. It's a, you know, suction cup thing of juice. I don't even know. <laughs> but hear me on this, and I mean this with absolute sincerity. There's more richness in this little cup and in this little wafer of a cracker than all the parties the world could ever throw because this here is the broken body of our Lord Jesus, his shed blood. And in this, we rejoice that he died and he rose again. Maybe today as you, you celebrate, I put the passage in 1 Corinthians 11. It talks about this is his broken body. This is his shed blood. When you look in verse 27, there's this invitation to examine oneself. You know, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let me offer you today, maybe part of your examination is, God, where have I not celebrated enough? Where have I not been thankful and grateful enough? Where have I not allowed my heart to just party and revel in your goodness and revel in your grace? And we're going to sing. I'm going to invite the musicians to come. We're going to, we're going to, celebrate the Lord's table. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to sing. Friends, I'm just going to invite you. Will you just sing your guts out today? Will you clap? Will you lift your hands? Uh, I I hope you didn't bring a tambourine because we'll draw the line there. But other than that, let's celebrate and party and rejoice that we have been adopted into the family of God. And what's more, we as Sound City have experienced some real tangible evidences of his goodness and his grace. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for what it means. We thank you for your goodness, your love, your grace. I ask and pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to sing and to celebrate and to rejoice now with hearts of gladness and thanksgiving. We thank you for the bread. We thank you for the cup. We thank you for what it symbolizes and represents. God, would you even feed us and nourish us now as we celebrate this table in anticipation of the banquet that is to come at the world's end. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Church, I invite you to celebrate the Lord's table and then stand to your feet and sing when you are ready.